Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, listeners. We are Cinema Studs. I am your host, Valente Martinez. <clears throat> we have a great panel here today for our today's episode. Uh, we are recording live from the land of the Kumaye, uh, sunny San Diego. Uh, we just got over a heat wave. Pray for us. And we are, uh, yeah, I'm here with uh, a full panel again. Uh, go ahead. Uh, my name is Alonso Martinez. Hey, hey, my name is Aaron Ramirez, and I just graduated from Cal State San Marcos. Woo! <laughs> uh, Alex Vega here. I am your resident cinematography nerd. Um, I'm excited to talk about our movie today. And then I'm Matthew Javier Rodriguez. I'm your practicing to be a nurse practitioner, practitioner, and your old Hollywood connoisseur. Cool. Matt, what did we watch? We watched 2015's The Lobster, starring <laughs> Colin Farrell and Rachel Rice, directed by, and I hope I don't mess up his name, Yorgos Lantimos. Yay! I can prepare. I'm excited for him to host his show later. All righty. So, all righty. Uh, I know I've seen this movie. I saw this movie in the theaters with Alonso. Um, I don't know about anybody else. Matt, Aaron, Alex, uh, did you? This was the first time watching it. First time, okay. First time. Matt? Um, no, I've never even heard of this. The first time uh, you mentioned, you guys mentioned we're going to be watching The Lobster. I don't know why, but my 12-year-old brain immediately went to that, that stupid gag on Family Guy where it's like, Peter's like, Iraq Lobster. <laughs> that's where my brain went to. I'm sorry if that's problematic, but that's that's what America fed me. <laughs> Oh my god! Family guy I I never saw before, but I watched a lot of movie reviews my early years of college. And my favorite reviewer, his name was Ralph the Movie Maker, and this was one of his favorite movies of whichever year this came out. So I always knew about it, and I always assumed it was good. Shout out to Ralph! Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So. Okay, I guess this is just for me and Alonso. Uh, what do we remember? Uh, this is our segment of the review. Uh, yeah, we uh, on this uh, five-year review of The Lobster, uh, we have we break it down into a few panels. Uh, we do a what do we remember or slash first impressions for the panelists that didn't have never seen it. And, uh, and then we have our actual discussion of the film, ask if it stands the test of time. And then we ask our dreaded question, what would we change? So, Alonso, what do you remember? Um, I know for sure this was like the first time I've heard of Yorgos Lanthimos. And I also remember this was like around the time Colin Farrell was definitely like, make, at least mostly independent movie. He was like, they're definitely like bangers, each one. Um, A24 was definitely getting more attention around this time. But they were starting to pop up this window cinephile world mm-hmm. and i remember liking or yeah i thought the whole premise was just fascinating and interesting and yeah and the humor too was that generally surprised me how funny it was yeah. first time watching it 
Yeah. And you? Yeah, uh, same. Uh, this is my exposure to uh, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, I, I, I remember the really laughing hysterically to the dry humor. Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss were uh, terrific. I thought they were great. Um, yeah, I remember like this is around the time when I started actually liking Colin Farrell as an actor because of In Bruges, this movie, Seven Psychopaths. Like he just started really like, yeah, the smaller movies. He started doing smaller movies. He wasn't the lead of a blockbuster anymore, hmm. which is great. Um, yeah, I thought it was a. Uh, <laughs> The premise is bonkers, but it's a great uh, commentary on marriage and society. And uh, I remember really being really wanting to know who directed this because the direction was so interesting and the writing was so the voice behind this movie was so uh, was so interesting. Uh, John C. Riley, I just remember him, just the random American like actor just in, in, in this movie. And then uh, the ending really stayed with me, stayed with me for a while. A really harsh tone shifts and cinematography was interesting, but I found it appropriate to the film. So, alrighty. Uh, first impressions from uh, Matt, Aaron, or Alex? Um, we can start talking about the movie pretty much. Yeah, right, right off the bat, it was like, it, it, it really just threw you into this world without like explaining anything to you and just kind of like, all right, here's where we are, like figure things out along the way. And I really like that wraps you into the world immediately. And it's kind of just left up to you to put the pieces together. And as you know, as you're listening, you kind of get the idea about this dystopian society that makes you forces you into into being a couple or you stay single and be transformed into an animal. Which was, it, it was like the craziest concept, like listening to it in the movie. I'm like, is this seriously what's happening right now? Like at the same time, it just like makes you want to want to learn more and see what happens to uh, our main character. Like, is he going to be transformed or is he going to find a partner? And then that becomes like all like you know, secondary by the second half of the movie where it's like, oh, now he's not even in the hotel worried about the situation. Now he's with these group of loners who live out in the woods and like they have their own little, little group and their own rules that they follow. And it's, it's really uh, well done uh, in the sense of like, of like world building almost because the the atmosphere and the like bland like bleak cinematography that accompanies the movie all really goes together well the performances like the the dry humor all play together in like such a perfect role to really wrap the viewer into this movie so i really enjoyed like all aspects like this is definitely something i'm going to be recommending to people for for years to come i'm really glad we watched this movie yeah i it was really attention grabbing the whole time. Like I remember like the opening sequence, I was like, why did you just shoot that cow? <laughs> Which I don't think, now that I think about it, I don't think that was ever actually explained, <laughs> but um, yeah. I, one thing I noticed, noticed was that like the cinematography, it was like, it was bland, but it was very intentional how you said Alex. Um, and if I had to describe it, I think I wrote down, what, oh, it, it felt like it was, 
if Wes Anderson decided to try to switch things up a little bit, that's kind of like how I described it. I thought it was interesting how they like kept pretty much the same exact music throughout the whole thing. It was like that violin. And then it was like, a turn, like whenever something like dramatically happened, it was the exact same like part of the soundtrack that was played. I got really excited when I saw Jonathan T. Riley. <laughs> like, the only thing I really still like relate to him is uh, Step Brothers. Step so I always just think Step Brothers when I see him. <laughs> like he could he could play the most serious person. I still would be like, ah, no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are. No, that's all I got. For now. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I have to piggyback off of Aaron for the opening scene. It just well with what both Aaron and Alex said it just brings you into the movie right off the bat and then, like you said Aaron it's this random woman that just shooting a burro just like fucking murdering it and we're never getting the full detail as to reason why and I love stuff like that because I don't know about you guys but it makes me want to create a mini story in my head which I feel like is probably the screenwriter's purpose is it's trying to get your mind working and exciting put the puzzle pieces together. I created this whole plot line that like, you know, this was probably like after I found out that the humans are turned into animals, that maybe this was like some shitty relative that she hated and she found out he was still alive. So she's like, fuck you and just goes and bang, bang. <laughs> you know, it's something like that. It could, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, yeah. So that's, I, I really love that. It's a good opening scene and it, 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 it hits harder when you realize kind of the meaning behind it. Like the meaning behind like the humans being turned into animals if they don't find a couple. Uh, I was so excited when <laughs> there's that part where they're like stripping down, they're ripping off their clothes and taking off their possessions because there's the lady, the biscuit lady in that scene that she played... America Ferrer, America Ferreira's best friend in Ugly Betty. And That's her exactly name was, where I knew her from. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Her name is so her her actor, the actor's name is Ashley Jensen, and she played Christina on Ugly Betty. And she was like the bitchy Scottish seamstress that was like also like Betty's mentor at Mode. If you all follow Ugly Betty like I do, then you'll know that no. you know, Mode, Mode mm-hmm. magazine, darling. Um, but no, I was so excited just to see her in something. And I loved this role for her because she kind of plays somewhat of the same character as an ugly buddy. Like she's very brash. She says right up front to Colin Farrell, do you want to fuck me in the ass? Like, and that's the kind of vibe that this, this actor can rock, but she was also very timid and shy. Um, Colin Farrell too. I was so pleased to see him because there's only two performances that I've ever watched him in and one was Daredevil and the other was the sex tape and I thought both were kind of you know highlights of his career (laughs) (laughs) um and I it was it was so cool to see him really commit to this role and like see him gain weight to like kind of portray like a more middle-aged kind of like quote-unquote um normal looking suburban white man who just got dumped by his wife and he really transformed into that like and he 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 got a lot of different levels to his character it was very interesting it was very different for him and it was a very i like what you said about wes anderson it felt like if this was like a darker version of like the grand budapest hotel they took like a dark sharp turn left (laughs) fell off the mountain (laughs) um but no i i i it has elements of like 
screwball comedy in it, which I'll say all over again, but it, it was great. It's very dark. Love. Great. I mean, uh, yeah, that gave a really great synopsis to everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, give it by everybody. Um, so everybody had the same reaction as, <laughs> as, as we did when we watched the opening scene. You're just like, what the F? <laughs> what is happening? <clears throat> And then, and then we get introduced to Colin Farrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do you guys feel about Colin Farrow? I mean, Matt, you, you touched on that a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad he brought up, or that Matt brought up, um, Daredevil because <laughs> Colin Farrell as Bullseye is like is like the the. But like the classic like thing I point to when I think of a Colin Farrell movie. <laughs> I remember I remember watching uh, the VHS of Daredevil all the time because me and my brother like loved loved the Daredevil comic, loved the character, and the uh, beginning of the VHS tape has another Colin Farrell movie that always like intrigued me but I never watched. I think it's called Phone Booth, where Colin Farrell is sitting in a phone booth and someone has him on the line and is basically pointing a sniper at him from some unknown location. And uh, the same person I think has put the FBI and the police on him and are basically telling him to exit the phone booth and give them answers to what's going on because he's being suspected of something. And basically the sniper is on the line with him telling him, you can't get out of the phone booth. You have to stay on the line or I'm going to shoot people. And it always intrigued me. Like that was like the trailer, like, like pretty much told you like everything, almost everything up front. And I really wanted to see what happened, but I just remembered, Oh yeah, that was the other Colin Farrell movie. I like always think about want to watch, but him as bullseye is always like the, the epitome or like the first thing I think of when I think of Colin Farrell. And it's so different from seeing him now as like, like action star Colin Farrell as bullseye versus dad, dad bod artistic film uh, <laughs> in the lobster, you know, is, but he gave a great performance like he he really has like a lot of range as as an actor and it was really cool i think he fit the role really well he did his his humor was was like on on point the whole movie so props to colin farrell i i respect him a lot for for this movie yeah yeah agreed aaron yeah i i love colin farrell um the first i think the first movie i saw from him was like in high school, I saw the Minority Report. I think at one point, and he played like one of the detectives in that. Um, yeah, and it was just kind of like he played an important part in the movie, but it was just kind of like a a forgetful role for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I always see him now as like a underrated comedy actor because, like, I, what I remember from him, like in terms of standouts, is like he played one of the bosses in Horrible Bosses, and he like oh my gosh, did like. Yeah, he did like the whole like transform uh Tropic Thunder thing where he just like put on like a bald cap, like body fat, like super hairy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He just played like a dick and he sold it so well. <laughs> and then he recently he was like in the Gentleman's Club movie, something like that, with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yes, uh the gentleman. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Guy Ritchie film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so and he was like pretty comedic in that movie too. Like he was his character like just didn't give a shit and was like just time to fuck off and stuff. And so that's always how I liked him. And I think he's underused in that department. And it'd be cool to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Alonzo? Colin Farrell, thoughts? Yeah, he's definitely like one yeah, definitely like a favorite actor. Um, I think maybe I think or at least at least for me speaking, like I think I was used to the humor 
because um i want to say we saw in bruges before all this mm-hmm. even seven yeah, psychopath too yeah. yeah we saw both those movies and they're both like they almost i want to say they almost have like the identical like sense of humor mm-hmm. it's almost like that dry like funny humor yeah and i think that's why i was like used to it in this one mm-hmm. and yeah the his um his appearance is surprised me the first time because like oh damn yeah he's usually like in a athletic kind of body kind of actor mm-hmm. because of all the action movies but yeah it's just seeing him transform i was like oh wow like he really is like one of those actors who's willing to commit to a role mm-hmm. yeah it's like commendable yeah I-, I love his natural accent is, is he scottish yeah I irish. So. Irish. I was like, irish irish or scottish Probably Irish. I don't know. One of those two. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of the islands. Ireland. Ireland. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, hotel. What do you guys think about this hotel? <laughs> what do you guys think about this program? What do you, what do you guys think about this world? Goodness. Reminded me of like, have you ever been to like um, like a work retreat or like a like some sort of like a, uh, what's the word? like convention where you have to yeah. like interact with people you're just kind of like this is so formal i'm bored <laughs> oh, then, yeah yeah it was it was very like i don't know there was a scene that really struck out to me when he had um escaped from his wife-to-be who's like a fucking monster who killed his brother the dog he's running away from her and he's escaping down these stairs and it kind of turns into this like maze-like scene where it's like you think he's going in circles because every every shot kind of looks the same it gave me very like stanley hotel vibes i was like oh this is kind of like um the shining to me it gave me and so that's what i equated it to i was like this is like the british shining hotel like or something (laughs) i don't know that's that's my impression i got yeah, I I feel like there were some moments where it kind of it didn't even become a it stayed away from a dark comedy. It just went into horror a little bit. Mm-hmm. Alex, um, yeah, no, like what Matt was saying, like pretty much like nailed like what I was gonna say. Like that the whole like scene that he's referring to when they're uh, running down the stairs and through the halls, it gave off like a Kubrick vibe because I don't know, like that feeling that. I got from that hotel was like watching the shining almost. And it might be the same, like with like the, like the carpet patterns. I always like recognize carpet patterns after watching the shining and the over analysis of the shining. But that was uh, definitely a vibe that I got from the hotel that there was like, I don't know, like you, you, you definitely get like that, like ominous, you know, dark energy there. They have a room where they transform people into animals. So there's obviously like some, I don't know, like they, they never describe what exactly the process is. Like there's like a door you walk through and transform to an animal. Like, I don't know if it's some some technology or some like black magic, but it's it's definitely like a like a looming presence like throughout the hotel that it has that ability to do that to you. And also just like everyone there, it's like the couples or the people are like they they feel so like fake and like everything like interactions feel forced like the the people just like the the single people just want to like be a part of a couple the guy with the limp like fakes his his nosebleed so he can like uh be you know have like a similar problem to that girl that also gets recurring nosebleeds and so he's willing to lie to her to just like 
you know, escape this place and be a part of a couple. And it's, and it's crazy. Like the, the whole idea that it's like, Oh, if you start having problems, we're going to give you a child. Like to, <laughs> you know, it feels like they're saying like, like uh, how a lot of like, future couples like end up thinking you know it's kind of like oh you have problems like a kid will solve it like a kid, it's basically just going to distract you from the actual problem and like that's like that dark humor that that the that the film has kind of like holding up a mirror to society and like our ideas of marriage couples and having children things like that it was it was it was well done i i really enjoyed it <laughs> i feel like i love how like the all the social commentary was like so on the nose but they like disguised it by just saying it with a blank face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Alonzo? Hotel? Society? Oh, yeah. For me, it's the society in general that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I guess, like thinking about it or watching it again, it's like, I mean, from the beginning, I always felt like the message of the movie was like this idea, like, like, yeah, you could say society does peer pressure us into finding the one you know like whatever boyfriend girlfriend whatever you're into it's like this idea where we have to find the right one and now like by personality like literally like physically identical like us almost and i had to look it up like right now but um it's almost like that idea like that um the 50s um i guess it's called the nuclear family Mm. you know having a wife um son daughter a dog i guess can get thrown in there it was like that and it's like almost taking it to the extreme like that idea like they're forcing you to be like that you know it's not like you know you have the choice to be a bachelor or whatever it's like you in this in this world whatever it is you have to find that one even if you know both of you aren't even like the same you know and i think even yeah again bringing up the whole nuclear family mentality like i'm pretty sure those people like a lot of like those family at the time forced themselves to be with each other you know like I know, i'm pretty sure like a lot of them weren't fairly like connected and that's that's what that, like the main thing i took out of the movie was mm-hmm. like and even and also like the the loner society too like it's almost like you can say like like right now like just call them like the incel kind of community like those guys are like, a bunch of loners that don't like interact with other people and the thing mm-hmm. that at least from what I, i've looked i've like you know i've seen myself it's like a lot of like the incel community they don't like it when you i guess meet up with other people i guess like if you even like get sort of in a relationship they don't like that oh wow like they look down on you like oh yeah i'm not familiar with it's like that. I'm, not familiar with uh, I'm not 100 percent yeah. either but like well what i've like cared to investigate myself it is sort of interesting but but the main thing is like yeah there's just like these losers who don't want to like they kind of look down on couples i guess and they also don't like the idea, mm-hmm. almost like this idea, like we had, or I guess the community, that insult community has to be alone, you have to hate other people. Mm-hmm. And same thing like the loner in the movie. That was like my take on it was like these guys. Yeah, the, the, the leader. Yeah, like, yeah, they're the same way. And they had to pretend like they don't care about one another. And, you know, they're against the idea of like, Almost, yeah, like it's like almost purposely trying to be like outcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to be involved in that society. The one where you're forced to be with somebody you don't even like mm-hmm. connected to. But yeah, that was like my main takeaway of this, the whole society thing in general yeah. in the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 it was a really short line, but the one with the interviewing process when Colin Farrell gets at, like they're interviewing about what he wants to explore. And he asks him, do you identify as like as a, as a, as a heterosexual? And it's like, yes. And he's like, okay. And then he stops her and he's like, but I did have one homosexual experience in my college, early college years. Do you guys have a bisexual option? And they're like, no, we, we had to get rid of the bisexual last summer because it just, it, it, it kind of like uh, some of the aspects didn't work out. So they they asked him to do, like, so do you want to be a heterosexual or a homosexual? And he's just contemplating for like a fat minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go hetero. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Aaron. Yeah, you no, uh, Matt. You, uh, you did you, you already commented on the hotels or society? Um. Yes, but I'll I'll talk more. No, I um. No, I I, I want to piggyback off of Aaron, where how it seems like you know work events, like you know like oh team building events, like because they have those moments where they do like the the skits, like you know like you would do at like a work related team event, and they're like. So here's what happens when you don't have a woman. <laughs> like, you know, the guy chokes on his food. It's like, here's what happens when you do. And then like, oh, she can do the Heimlich maneuver. Or like, even more gruesome, like, here's what happens, ladies. When you don't have a man, you get raped. And if you have a man, you won't get raped. It's just like, it was pretty... I don't know, but it, it like while it seems so far fetched, that's what society has told us pretty much. It's like if you don't have another person in your life, you are alone and you are going to die alone, <laughs> or you will get raped and die alone. Like and, and like while they're trying to show it to the extreme, it's funny that like I for, for me at least like stuff like that has been shoved down my throat ever since I was a little kid. So I was just like, it's funny that. They wanted to comment on that. I like or just kind of reiterate that. I don't know. I also really loved the part where they did like the school dance kind of a thing and they're like forcing them all to dance. And then you have Olivia Coleman and like her husband and they're like singing terribly. And like everyone's just like, oh, you're beautiful, amazing. Like they're just clapping. <laughs> they're like, thank you. <laughs> um, I I just I love scenes like that. Um and then uh I don't know. It, uh, I think I really like, there's so many good, like, little one-liners that happen throughout. Like, Alex, you mentioned the one where it's like, the, the baby's one, where it's like, if you have any problems after you've been coupled, you know, we'll give you a kid. <laughs> That's great. Or, like, there's just random lines. Like, I remember when the, the th when Colin Farrell meets the other two guys um, really quickly, uh, and they go on a walk, like, one of the guys, the... Um, the John C. Riley is like, oh, have you seen have you seen uh, the other guy's leg? Have you seen his leg? See his leg. And at this point, we don't know that he's a limper leg. And so I was just like, why? Why would they tell you so early on? Look at his leg. Like I was just like, okay, <laughs> it's just like random, random little stuff like that. Or like, I loved very early on when he has to get handcuffed, and they're like, we're gonna put you in a handcuff because we're and we're gonna attach it to your belt because it's gonna remind you how you know how like it you'll remember how it feels to have two of something and how useless you are when you have one of something <laughs> it just but and, and i think they're trying to make a like i said they're just trying to make a comment about how like society really drills it into your brain it's like if you it doesn't matter like if you're successful in life whether you're a businesswoman actor whatever if you're alone 
you're a loser. And I feel like that's what the film is trying to make fun of with all these crazy little um, skits and suggestions about being coupled up. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good, great comments and observations from all around. Um, Alex, Alex uh, point, uh, mentioned this, the, he said that, uh, wait, was it Alex? Uh, you mentioned the extras? The extras? Yeah, the extras, they just, somebody mentioned it. And the extras? Yeah, the, just the extras. All the people in the background, they look so plain and Jane and boring. And I think the moment we really get to, we really finally get to see how some of these uh, characters act or behave. Because we get to see every a little bit of everybody, right? Like, or we get introduced to them, but then we finally get to see who they are is when the dance is over, after the little dance. And yeah, that that little Olivia Coleman dance just just gets, <laughs> just gets me. Oh, it made me laugh out loud at the theater. Um, uh, the alarm goes off and they have to go hunting. <laughs> and then the music and and the cinematography gets really dramatic. And this is the first uh, act that we see by the heartless woman and how heartless she really is. And yeah, and, and then yeah, we're just we're hunting loners. I'm so confused. I, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, that's all I was gonna say. I was so confused at first. I like. <laughs> Like, I was like, what are they running? Like, are they playing tag or something? Shot <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, because we get a establishing shot of the tranquilizer guns, the darts. Colin Farrell looks out the window. He sees, like, a row of bodies laying down. Um, what did you guys think about that part of the movie? <laughs> at first, I didn't understand that they were hunting loners. Like, I, th- I thought they were, like, I thought it was, like, couples hunting single people but but like once i like figured that out it was it was like interesting to to see that that whole dynamic that like there was you know groups that are just like by themselves but i wanted to bring up that that first hunting scene that that you were talking about valente and like it was like the there's a lot of juxtaposition in this movie and that that scene where where they're hunting each other it's like the slow-mo of like of of them like shooting and the music is like it's like classical, like the violins playing, but it's like, it, it, but like what you're watching is like kind of like very like cruel and like violent, you know, like hunting and shooting at people. Like while it's like it's like slow paced, like you know, music and it's slow mo. And there's a lot of scenes like that throughout the movie that like it's like the music versus the visuals is very like juxtaposed. And I thought that was like very interesting, like to you know portray society in that way. You know, the dystopia kind of doesn't like something feels off like that. That You know, that's like the whole point of of these scenes, like to give you like that uneasy feeling that something isn't right around here. Yeah, um, I love in that scene, too, like as they're running off to like catch a loner or like, you know, shoot at a loner. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a there's a scene. There's like it's I don't know if it's a single still or whatever, but you just see a random cat just jump. It's like a fluffy cat, <laughs> oh, just cat jump. And it like, and then after that, I became so aware of like all the random animals in every scene. <laughs> like, you'll find a flamingo, you'll find a peacock, there's gonna be a random pig somewhere. It's just like you have to look out for it. And I was like, after seeing this cat, I was just like, why is there a fluffy cat? Like you just see a cat jump and you're just like, 
Um, I don't know. It's, it's little stuff like that that really adds you into the world because it's constantly reminding you of like, if you were in this world, you could be one of these animals because, you know, if you're single right now, you only have a certain amount of days. Like, this could be you. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I loved that. I thought that was great. Oh, God, what else about it? Um, I don't know. I really... I really liked, I, I'm still going to go back to um, Ashley Jensen's character um, who plays the the biscuit woman. And I, I just think she's great because like she is a little bit of the comic relief, uh, like, you know, up until like the very end though, because she's like, I'm going to kill myself. And then you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden you just see her on the ground. She's like screaming in a puddle of blood. Like she's like, ah. And then you just see the damn, even that scene that was kind of funny because you see the damn, um, what's her name? The the heartless you know, woman. Thank you. The heartless woman. And she's just there sipping her tea. She's like, it's like, she's like the Kermit meme. You know, the Kermit meme, like, that's none of my business. <laughs> With his lips and tea, he's like, none of my business. But she's just sitting there. She's like, oh yeah, she fell. Okay. <laughs> There's blood and biscuits everywhere. <laughs> I, I I loved it. I feel like that would be it. Like I, you know what? I I connect to that character. <laughs> and it was it was like even crazier because that's like the point where Colin Farrell's character was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go make my move." Like he was yeah. he was saving it for the hunt, where he's like, "Oh, as soon as I see her shoot somebody, I'm gonna." act act cruel so we have you know that thing in common we're both cruel is like oh i wish they would die you know and then at that moment when she's in the background screaming like her lungs out in pain from from surviving that fall where she tries to kill herself he's like oh i wish that she would just die quickly you know like so loud like she's making all this noise i can't believe her it's like i wish she would just die die quickly and then she just turns around what i can't hear you there's too much noise from her screaming <laughs> And I love that, like, he's literally only going after her because he was like, well, I was deciding for a while who I would go after. And, you know, it was basically him being like, you know, I really like short girls. I'd, I'd want to fuck a short girl, like a short hair girl. Like, that's the only reason is he's going, he's like, okay, so I'm going to more. But then that's another commentary about how, like, we as society sometimes morph our images and our personalities to go after someone, whether it means like a hookup or relationship, like we ourselves change our change us be, to become whatever that person thinks is attractive or what we think that person thinks is attractive. Because I know in past relationships, I have gone like diet Matthew, like, you know, where it's like, you're not the full fledged, full calorie, full sugary version of Alex or Aaron or Alonzo or Valente. You just diet versions of yourself because you want to do whatever yourself and mask it so that you can please the partner in the relationship. So I thought that was a great little comment that uh, the screenwriters added in there. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead a little. Also, speaking of that too, like the part when he's like getting desperate, Colin Farrell's getting desperate to find someone. I think she tries to go after that one, uh, the short blonde girl, (laughs) talks about her hair and then it's like she's literally like talking. I mean, she literally only has one day left you think she'd be like desperate enough to go after him, but like she starts like talking shit about her his hair. It's like, oh, your hair is nice. It's like, oh yeah, but yours isn't. <laughs> your, your hair is dry and it's all nasty. And like she literally has one day and she still like, wants to find somebody who has like uh, better hair, I guess. And yeah, like yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, it's also like that's how that's how desperate they are just to find the ideal person. Mm-hmm. 
you know it's like just like Colin Farrell trying to go after the heartless girl yeah mm-hmm. uh, funny, like when the girl was rejecting like the blonde girl was like talking trash I was like that's the most literal version of I'd rather die <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh, she becomes a horse with great hair though so (laughs) she's she's a horse girl i mean what are you gonna say about it did you see that horse come back the horse came back yes yes Yes, it did (laughs) way off in the background wasn't it yes (laughs) oh my gosh um oh okay all right, so going, kind of going back to uh, uh, to the like kind of the beginning of the story. Um, yeah, I, I think another scene that made me laugh was uh, when we kind of find out what the routine of this hotel is, and then we start seeing like a nice little like uh, nice little nicely paced uh, routine. It's um, God, what is it? It's like Colin Farrow um, getting his room clean, getting his darts replaced. Uh, they confront John C. Riley. <laughs> oh, they, they put his hand on the toaster for masturbating. Mike <laughs> <Like> a vault. <laughs> that hurt to watch, honestly. <laughs> Especially coming from John C. Riley. Like, mm. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. I know. I was thought like the whole time I was like, oh, poor John C. Riley. Because like even like in the forest, I thought it was really funny when like. He was like about to kill Colin Farrell. And he was like, "Oh no! Like you're you prefer you like John as a best friend more." And Colin Farrell was like, "Who's John? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even remember him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. John C. Riley was just a treat. Um, I, I think another moment was uh, when they were talking about what animal they would choose to be. Oh, it's after uh, they ask him what animal he would be. And he finally says, "I'd be the, a lobster because a lobster lives for a long time, and I've o- and I was always good at swimming and and gymnastics. So I think I, I I've always spent time in the water. So I would be a lobster. Like, excellent choice." And then they discuss it with the group of friends, and John C. Riley says he wants to be a uh, parrot. <laughs> and then he's like, "We should all be parrots. What if we all just became parrots, guys?" And we. <laughs> And that's when that guy goes off on him. He's like, you idiots. He's like, I'm getting out of here. I don't know why you guys want to become animals. Like, I'm going to lie my way into, into like being in a couple. I'm going to like leave. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, and, and it was interesting. The, the whole, when he, when he said that he wanted to be a lobster, another one of his points was that, uh, that lobsters stay fertile for a long time or on forever. I forget exactly what he said, but it, it, it's interesting that he would say that. And like the purpose of this hotel is, to find a couple within 45 days of you being there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, society kind of puts this pressure on you that like you have like a certain amount of time to find a partner in real mm-hmm. life. It's like, oh, you only have like a certain stage where you're fertile or, you know, mm-hmm. you want to do it when you're young because like you'll have problems with your old. And it's kind of like, it's like, it, it, are you in this? Like, are you like trying to find a relationship to like, like have have kids like is that like the only purpose of being in a relationship or are you trying to find someone that you love that you care about like does it matter if you find them when you're 18 or 45 or even 60 like 
it, it's kind of like the pressure of society. It's like, oh, like it's getting late for you. Like your clock is running out. It's like you, you, you shouldn't be too like picky at this point, you know? Yeah. 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 I, oh, the commentary on this freaking screenplay is ridiculous. Good. Right? Yeah. I, I, it's probably, I, you know what? It, it, it's the smartest that I think we have. I objectively say that's the smartest that we have reviewed so far because it's just so intricate. And it's so many, it's so personal. I think that's what makes it great because we've all been through heartache. We've all been through like lonely times during quarantine. So like, except for Valente, because he's like deeply committed and in a relationship. <laughs> but <laughs> we all get it. It's just like, we, it, it's a great movie to watch after. I'm glad we didn't watch during quarantine I'm glad we watch it kind of as it's lifting <laughs> yeah no honestly <laughs> it'll be even more a bit depressing but it's just oh there, there's a it's, just, it's so weird and smart like i love how they have to have that ritual i i want to know what the ritual is for the women like you know if they like try to sexually turn them on too like the men because like with the men they have to make sure that their dick works and like we're gonna rub on your dick to see if it gets erect oh it got erect quicker this time that's good you still can have a hard penis and fuck someone but i want to know what they did with the women like that would have been interesting like do they like do they like i don't know go in there with like you know that obgyn thing like you know and open up <laughs> the vagina like i i want to know <laughs> and then it's just there's like it it touches on like everything though it touches on how like men or even women can be like creepy voyeurs in relationship like there's that scene when the nosebleed girl is doing the breaststrokes and like this the shot is solely focused on her boobs like just moving about as she does these strokes and it's also focusing on the guy in the background and he's like walking and creeping on her and you see him walking just trying to make his move just like sometimes creepy men do to women or to men or vice versa in real life. And then the the double entendre conversation they have, he's like, is breaststroke your favorite? And she's like, I like all strokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I got to admit, Matt, that's one of the shots that felt like a horror movie where they just swap bit, out yeah. the music and it, and just, it feels like, it feels like Michael, Mike Myers or something. Oh, absolutely. It was totally like Lovely Bones with um, Stanley Tucci. Like, I, you gave me that vibe for some reason. Um, yeah, no, creepy, creepy moment. But it's it's so cool how this film is really able to seamlessly transition from a horror into a comedy within like two snaps. Like, literally, right when he enters the pool, it goes from like kind of creepy to like just awkward guy trying to make his move. Like, and then, like, try to impress her, and then fakes a fucking nose. I did you guys see him fake a fucking nosebleed? How does he fake a nosebleed? I did not see that. Yeah, he bashes his head into the side of the pool. Oh do you see God. that in the in the movie? Yeah, like, did you see him do it? In the shot, yeah. But oh, like I way in the back. Like, you see, just I, I, I was too focused on the girl swimming. I didn't. Even, I totally missed. Oh, that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she's because she's moving. Yeah, bring the yeah. rest of life, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> girl <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured i figured it would have been in the shot like i did while well, i didn't notice because colin farrell yeah. brought it up later and he's like i saw what you did that you banged yeah. your nose or yeah. he's like did it hurt or something and he just shows him right there he's like let me just do it again and bangs his head <laughs> twice on the table <laughs> wait but like did he did colin farrell visit him i thought the guy visited colin farrell no yeah yeah i think yeah yeah i think he went into colin farrell's room probably yeah yeah, yeah. 
I was just like, oh, uh, see, there's like some, okay, sorry, there are just some things that like aren't explained. Like, why is he calling Colin Farrell into his room? Like, like, like who, like, why is he, did Colin Farrell call him? Is he just showing up randomly? I don't know. It's like little stuff like that that isn't explained. It's not important, but I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, they leave a lot of things just up, just vague, honestly. Yeah. Like, well, like, uh, oh, well, we can talk about this now because, uh, Pretty much the uh, Colin Farrell eventually does end up uh, going after the heartless woman. Mm-hmm. Does and I think that was like the biggest uh, the, the the biggest commentary on how Matt said earlier, where you try to you end up warping your own image to uh, be more presentable to somebody. Yeah, like settle for someone that's obviously not for you. In the house. Yeah. yeah. Which, 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 uh, I, I was kind of wondering when I was watching it in theaters, how is this actually not going to work out? Because I was like, there's no way this is going to work. Like, she's going to find out or, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't expecting what she did, but. Oh my God. But, <laughs> but I, I thought, oh God, as soon as, okay. The, the part that made me go, okay, this isn't going to, this is really going to end bad is the way that she tested him. Oh yeah, with the uh, olive, right? Yeah. yeah, in the jacuzzi. Oh yeah, I was I was confused for a second there. I'm like, why isn't he doing anything? And then you realize, like, oh, she's faking it to see what he would do. And yeah. what a weird way to be like, okay, we're good together. Like, <laughs> hey, you didn't save me. Like, you're cruel, like I am. Like, or you're a heartless, like I am. Like, we're a good match. Like. What an odd way. Like, yeah. you, you didn't move a muscle to save my life. I, that's a good sign for a partner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very like, you know, she's like, it's a very like Wednesday Adams thing to do. Like that feels like Wednesday to me. If this was Wednesday Adams growing up from the Adams family, like it would be this woman. Oh God. Um, when she like killed the dog, I was like, oh, you bitch. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. And then they showed the dog. I was like, oh my God. They actually yeah. showed the oh. Poor Pope. Yeah. Then she yeah, go ahead, <laughs> mm. Going back to the dog, do you guys remember early on when the hotel managers come into uh, Colin Farrell's room and the dog just keeps barking at the at Olivia Coleman because the dog still remembers. It's like, this bitch, she's the one that turned me into a dog. <laughs> I just thought that was a great touch. I wonder how they yeah. got the dog to do that. Yeah, um, yeah the dog was interesting. It's like, it's like, is it your dog? It's like, no, it's my brother. Yeah, he, uh, he 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 was here a while ago, but uh, he didn't make it, so he chose to be a dog. <laughs> and, um, yeah, poor. Uh, uh, I think I think I like to note. Uh, I'd also like to point out is probably the most, um, just. Just the driest sex scene ever between those two. It's just, it's just so not. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Like, the chemistry just ain't there. No, <laughs> like that, like it's like the, the quietest, like like while they're doing it, and then he lets out like one grunt. He's like, did he say something? Like what was? <laughs> and it, like I can't, like I don't know, like. Like obviously he got into this relationship because he was like attracted to her, but yeah. after experiencing something like that, like can you really go the rest of your life like 
with with this partner and he he made that point at, like about lying lying about uh being in love versus how how did that line go it's like it's harder to lie about loving someone or being in love than oh to- yeah it's uh, i think it went uh it, it's easier to to lie about not having feelings than to lie having feelings for somebody yeah Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, she really tested him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Crazy bitch. And I, yeah. And I think, yeah, no, that's like, that's what makes her also the heartless woman is because you're truly heartless. I believe you're truly heartless if you kill a fucking animal because mm-hmm. the most precious things on this fucking earth are the fucking animals i like animals more than i like humans like state it now there's so much cuter friendlier furrier and i think that you know just goes to show how evil she was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah as, as, as soon as the shot of like her leg and it was just one leg covered in blood i was like oh no just Oh, and she's so vitriol about it with when she when when he has an emotional reaction to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, one thing I did like was um he like even like so many scenes later if they ever showed her, her leg was still bloodied. Like they made sure that that was never like out of the yeah. uh, I forgot what it's called, but there's a word for it. But I thought that was a good attention to detail. Because some movies might like if you have like a scratch, they might like take it out two scenes later or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Continuity. In the continuity. continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And then right after, like, you know, he uh, tranquilizes her. And then, like, you know, the maid is the one that helps him, like, hide the body. And I think that then we jump into the whole, like, you know, second act of the film where, like, he runs away from uh, the hotel and then becomes a quote unquote loner. Like, it's like, it's another commentary about how he's like, it's about how he's like, you know, I've given up on love, so now I'm just a loner in society. Like, that's yeah. how I am. There's like, yeah, uh, how do you guys uh, feel about the loners? They had their I own think... rules that were very strange. Uh-huh. Like, it was it was like going from, like, one one edge of society to, like, the other. Like, uh, and they did, it, they did it really well. Just, like, you know, you know, going from living in, like, a hotel with the amenities to, like, camping out in the woods and, like, you know, just like two very opposite sides of society and in one where it's like it's like okay like hurry up get get to your couple like find someone you want to like have sex with the rest of your life like and do it quick versus like okay don't even kiss anybody or else you're gonna like get your lips cut or like and you don't even want to know what happens when you have sex with somebody like it's just like stay away from each other like at all points and they can only listen to techno music so you can dance by yourself (laughs) I loved because I thought like, that was it, hilarious. It, it, did you guys see they ha- like they handed out CD players like here's yeah. a CD player, and I love they can only dance to like electronic music by themselves, and I just imagine them listening to like Joy Division or like New Order or something <laughs> like like it's just like something depressing like electronic British music. Oh yeah, <laughs> Aaron. Um... Well, that the dancing actually reminded me of because there's that's actually a real thing. There's something yeah. called silent discos, yeah. and so the whole time I was like, "Oh, this is such an interesting, sad." And they, and they go to the woods, right, for those too. Yeah, I was like in the forest. Do they really? What oh, the like silent yeah. discos, specifically in the movie. Yeah, silent discos. Oh, you can have them anywhere. 
Oh, anywhere? Okay. <laughs> I've seen some where they had them in the woods, too, so it looked very uh, similar. Mm. Yeah, and then, and then we find out that uh, our, our maid is actually working with the loners. Uh, she looks like she's just making money on the side a little bit, just just mm-hmm. money, like with the... Oh, what's that thing the pigs look up? Truffles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, truffles, yeah, those. I mean, apparently that's expensive. I've never... I never looked into it. Yeah, they're a little expensive. I don't think they're like caviar expensive, but they're pretty expensive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I but... thought the most interesting side like that you see with the loners is when they go into the city because it's like your first mm. time to see like what the society looks like. Yeah. And it's very, you know, you have to be with your couple at all times. Like people get stopped by the police. Like if they're not with their couple, you have to show your papers and things like that. There was another one of those scenes where they juxtapose like the music and the actions is like when they're just, like the first time they're like browsing through the stores. It's also the first time you get a look at like some colors that aren't completely bleak. It's also like what a harsh society to live in, like bright and beautiful visuals. And yet the look on their faces is just like, in awe and you're you know thinking about like these like hard rules about uh be with your couple at all times and the way that they dress too very formal like no color really just suit and tie your dress and you know like uh basically blue black and gray is like all the colors that you're going to see people wear yeah i thought it was really interesting how like because they pretty much spent the first half of the movie like establishing the world both like in the hotel and then also like the woods and that kind of stuff so i thought it was interesting how like they spent a lot of the second half kind of like oh there's a macy's like oh yeah more realistic and more relatable in an even like deeper creepier way Mm. yeah Yeah. matt what would you feel about the cities oh i really i thought it was so weird that like they had to go see the leader's parents. Like, what was that about? Like, you know, they 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 go and they shop, but they have to see the loner leader's parents. Like, and who are like probably the typical version of like what the society wants people to be. Like, they're there, they're in love. And then my favorite part is like when they're like playing the guitar after, and like, you know, this is after Rachel Weiss and Colin Farrell's characters have gotten together. And then they just practically are about to have sex on this damn couch. <laughs> because, like, you know, there's, like, nice, like, guitar sex music playing. So, like, why not? And you just see the loner leader. She's just, like, ferociously mad. She's like, what's going on here? But it, I, just that whole that whole, that whole ritual just really confused me. I was like, what, what is the purpose behind this? Like, I, I don't know whether it was some kind of nostalgia for her the loner character or maybe like she because like she said she was like a businesswoman maybe like i don't know maybe she gets like investments from her parents and then feels it pulls it feels it back into the colony so that they can have stuff to buy um that was that was the one part i felt like that wasn't really explained at all um and again leaves it up to your own imagination but it just that one i just i don't know if it needed to be there that's Mm -hmm. all um yeah. i kind of saw it as like because like she even though she's the leader of like the loners and she's very much like against relationships in general i feel like another aspect of society like pressuring people is the parent aspect of it too mm. so i thought for me it was just kind of like her bringing her f- friends who are lovers to meet her parents was kind of like her yeah. version of self-validation i guess 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was like, oh, no. Yeah, from parent expectations. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, but yeah. yeah. So I took it, like, yeah, just. Yeah, so she's like, people, she's still part of that group of loners. Mm, I guess because yeah. her family's still alive, she still needs that validation. Yeah. And so, like, when they started kissing, it was like, it invalidated her lifestyle because it was like, she it was against the purpose she brought them in the first place and that kind of stuff. Mm, that makes total sense. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It was kind of like her way to like keep up appearances with her family and like maintain that relationship. It felt like like no nobody wanted to be there. It was just like it just felt like an awkward situation all around. Mm-hmm. But you feel like the obligation because it's your it's your parents. Like you like feel like oh I have to do this because it's my family. So I'm gonna pretend to be in a couple like because that's what they expect of me. I'm gonna bring my fake boyfriend and my fake friends like and come up cover come over to my house so that my parents think I'm all right. Yeah. No. It might be stretching, but I might be seeing a little bit too much into it now that you guys have shown this perspective. But yeah. that could also be like queer coded, you know, being like someone trying to like present here. I'm I'm, you know, heterosexual. Let me show you like, you know, because that's what, you know, people have done like in the past, like with just being like, look, I'm in a normal relationship with someone when in actuality they're living a different life than what their parents thought they were living. I mentioned with the nuclear family mentality where mm-hmm. yeah, they just lie about because mm. I'm pretty sure even at those times like the, I'm pretty sure like a lot of the fathers were like gay just but they closeted. yeah exactly and I'm pretty yeah. sure I think it's that one movie called A Single Man or something like that it's mm-hmm. kind of like about that that idea about like a Rockefeller family where the husband is gay but and I think the wife knows about it too but she's also doing something her own thing also Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's that same one, but I know there's some. So it's like yeah. a movie like that, but so they're willing to keep their appearances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all. Yeah, I was thinking about that too when you when everybody brought it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, I I also want to note that like I don't know if this is something that I saw or if you guys saw this too, but it seems like anytime um they showed Rachel Wise and Colin Farrell's character together like the the area kind of warmed up like for the most part everything was in like like a kind of a gray scale but when they were together or like when towards the end when they're escaping it's it kind of like has this like yellow hue around it just like a slight yellow hue just to give like the intent of giving like a warmer feeling i think to the viewer yeah yeah i definitely caught that too Mm. I have to rewatch it. That probably it probably is real. I just never noticed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Went right over my head. <laughs> no, it's really subtle. It's really subtle. It's it's not like because the cinematography is really interesting in this movie too. Because I it, it looks really natural light, like completely. Yeah. Like even some of the dark scenes look like they're actually shooting in the dark. Except for like maybe some of the night scenes when they're like attacking the oh, which is another moment. Uh, but yeah, but, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask you guys about uh, Rachel Weiss. What did you guys? Uh, what do you guys think about her? I, I yeah, I just all I know her from is the Mummy. And oh, well, that's true. Yeah. I, I totally forgot that she was in that movie, mm-hmm. but I don't. I mean, I have probably seen her other things and I probably just not recognized her. I 
was was confused not confused but like i was i was thrown off by the um by the narrator which was rachel weiss like throughout the whole movie it was strange that you don't really meet her until halfway through the movie and then all of a sudden it was like oh this is when i first met him and it finally became like uh like a first person and i don't know like i i, I was wondering like what your opinions are on you know having that the whole narration coming from her perspective while focusing on Colin Farrell's character the whole time mm-hmm. and like what kind of, you know, like what did that uh, m- like make you feel like throughout the movie about, about the narration? Yeah, I'm, okay. No, sorry. I was just going to say, you yeah, know, I'm glad Alex brought that up. Cause that's literally what I was going to bring up with Rachel Weiss. Cause she, yeah, she is the narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Are you good? I was, I was just going to say that, um, like I never really understood necessarily the purpose of it, but the actual quality of the narration I liked a lot. Like it was, I didn't get why they did it, but they knew what they were doing with it. Like usually it's kind of like they just put an exposition and it's like you didn't need to tell me this; it could have showed me. But with this, it was like you can see like the actual the actual layer with it. And I think at one point there was like a, I think it was like in the first half of it. I don't remember what it was, but I think somebody got hurt or something like that. And they were describing their pain or something like that. And then the narration was like word for word what the person said, like right after they described their pain. <laughs> you know, I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah Matt, what did you think about the narration and uh, Rachel, Weiss? Um, Rachel Weiss? I think I know the scene that Aaron's talking about. Or there was a similar scene, at least, uh, between... Uh, Colin Farrell's character and then Ashley Jensen's character on the bus when they're getting ready to go to the hunt and she's I forget what she's describing that's what it is oh, yeah. that's what it is yes <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that's the one I'm thinking about too it's, it's you know what she says? I don't remember what she says I have no idea she's describing something she's like talking about like I, well, I think she was talking about everything and like you wanted to give the biscuits to Bob and she was trying to flirt with him to like I would love to go on a walk with you and Bob. That's what it was. <laughs> he's not allowed out. <laughs> yes. He's like he's like he thought that was the perfect excuse because like this would avoid any other like, you know, uh continuation of the conversation. And then she tried yes. to like say something else and he's like like he knew that by saying this she couldn't reply. <laughs> and it was so so random because it was like, oh, I want to see your dog sometimes. Like, oh, we can't let the dog out. <laughs> like, the dog can't go out. <laughs> yeah, I think some of the best jokes are are told through her narration, like that scene that you just described, and uh, when they come up with the hand signals or the motions for each other. And yeah. I this is this is where I think the narration has like really like masterfully come into play at this point because it's like you you've seen this through Colin Farrell's perspective, like throughout the whole movie. It's like, but without going into his head, you get to see a whole nother layer. Like Aaron was talking about through Rachel Weiss's perspective. And so you understand uh, the hand signals without having Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss, like explicitly be like, Oh, this is what this means. This is what this means. And like, she can just say it like, as you watch it and it, and it just works. Like, it's like, if we turn our head to the left, it means I love you more than anything in the world. But if I turn my head to the right, it means watch out, there's danger. And then it's like, we had to be very careful about these because you don't want to confuse I love you more than anything in the world with watch out, there's danger. <laughs> like, 
I, okay, and maybe I'm reading, maybe I just, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but going off of their hand signals, there's, there's the one where she's like, and when we put our, when we make, put our arm in our back and make a fist, it means we want to get fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they want to get railed. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> just casually doing it. God, like, <laughs> like let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just thought that was funny and also, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, wait, um, Rachel Vice, or no, you know, it's well, yeah, just something real quick. Was I thought it was funny watching it or right now was um, almost like it was kind of being meta, like the pro one there in the beginning where she's introducing everybody or everybody calling Pharisees, and they're like, all right, there's those people over there, but they don't matter. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, yeah, the movie being meta. It's like, oh yeah, those guys don't, they don't matter. Don't pay attention to them. <laughs> oh my God, yes. It's like, he's never going to meet them. So you don't. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. One thing that I, I did like that was like the one that they used for like the fact that she was a narrator was, did because I looked into it because I was super interested in it. Did you guys ever like look into what Colin Farrell turned the, the girl into, the cold? Oh, oh what did he turn no into? did he did they say i thought they didn't confirm anything he never confirmed it but there's a fan theory that i really like that i really Ooh, think okay. well, so they there's a fan theory that he turned her into a rabbit because it uh-huh. is completely contrary to her, who she is as a person like instead of being the hunter she's hunted and instead of uh-huh. being like cold rabbits are naturally like cute and fuzzy and that kind of stuff yeah and the reason why the narrator doesn't know who he turned it into was because she likes to eat rabbits. So he never told her. Uh, yes. And he was like, I'm never going to tell you. So maybe like it was a rabbit and she ate it. There well, you go. Wow. That's a great theory. Mm-hmm. I was mind blown. Yeah. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Rachel Weiss. Uh, anybody else want to comment on Rachel, Rachel Weiss and uh, the narration? Okay. I thought I thought it was funny that they thought that they were compatible uh, because they were both uh, nearsighted. Is that what they were? Or they farsighted. <laughs> nearsighted. Yeah. It, it's so strange that throughout the whole movie, it's kind of like people try and find someone with like the same like physical characteristic or physical flaw that they have, or they fake their you know characteristics so that someone else will think that they're compatible. And it's it was funny the scene where Colin Farrell goes up to oh one of my one of my favorite actors in the movie who doesn't have like a huge role was I believe his name is Michael Smiley who comes out in Spaced as uh, tires I don't know if you guys have seen Spaced I think oh. I think Valente have you seen it No No all right so so in Spaced he plays a character called Tires who's my favorite character but in here he plays uh, the couple or the partner of the leader of the loners. So the guy that goes with them to the parents' apartment, yes. and the one who brought uh, Rachel Weiss some some rabbits and made yes. her laugh, and then he got very insecure. I thought that was a very funny scene of him interrogating him and trying <laughs> to figure out if he was nearsighted or not. And then once he realizes that he's not, he was like, "Oh, then he's no threat. Then <laughs> like he doesn't matter." <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> look up to the left. <laughs> Let me see your eyes. <laughs> I think that is also, okay, let's talk. I think that's, that's also, yeah. a, that's another commentary about how like, 
we're so stupidly fixated on like, oh, this person has that quality that makes them attractive. When it's literally like, what makes, we're going to get after school special here. Everything that makes you attractive is just who you are at this point in life, darling. Like you don't have to do anything more. And I think that's what the movie is trying to tell us is that like all these little stupid things that like we think another person will like that will make us more attractive to someone really don't matter because it's all fucking stupid. Like they're going to like you or they're not. And point blank period. Yeah. I thought it was also really funny how like, like at least for the, most part like except for the Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss like all the like couples like conversations and that kind of stuff it's just fun facts it's like oh I like dust do you like dust and it's like, <laughs> like what you know you how much basketball weighs <laughs> I thought that was really interesting because I don't know about you guys if you've ever been in a bad relationship that's exactly what conversations sound like are you just like it's like, oh, yeah, like, here's this fan fact. And then they just absorb it. And then they tell you some random fact. And then you just absorb it. And there's, like, no connection. And, like, that's exactly what I was like. As I was watching, I was like, this feels like the bad relationships. I was in. Like, this hurts. Oh, completely. Or, like, a bad date. Like, I literally just had this shitty date the other day where there was me and this guy walking. And he was like, you know, that house is worth, like, a million dollars. And I was like, oh, that's cool. All right. I love that. But exactly. Yeah. Um. Oh geez. <laughs> oh, oh I, I wanted to go back to a, a little bit of uh, uh, characteristics, the flaws uh, that we've been mentioning. Uh, David gets the child, and then uh, and then he, with his with his couple with his uh, partner, and then and then she when Colin Farrell's with the heartless woman, and she tells and she's like, "Oh, darling, uh, go give uh, go give my old friend a hug," and he's and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like why would i want a hug from a little pathetic little little child like, that he kicks her in the shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man yes he's like the dad didn't even care what uh, he was just like he's like you'll have a limp just like your dad and he's kind of like <laughs> proud of it <laughs> that his friend just kicked his daughter in the shin like oh now now you have a limp like your father <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then um uh, what's it called? Uh, the hostage situation. When they go. Oh God! Yeah. What'd you guys think about that? That was funny. Far. <laughs> he was like um, from the beginning. They were like, "Oh, like on a scale of one to 15 I'm like, 15 What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that part made me laugh. <laughs> it's like on a scale of one to fifteen. How much do you love her? <laughs> I feel like the purpose of that was literally to like fuck up what they think about their relationship because with you know him you know pointing the gun at Olivia Coleman, the 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 husband pointing the gun at Olivia Coleman and then shooting and there was a blank. It was like I think that was trying to create like tension, but like you know, Olivia Coleman knows like, oh, you don't really give a shit about me, <laughs> like you're you don't care at all. Like and maybe that was the loner's way of like doing some kind of like protest or something against the couple mentality thing. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, I had that same idea. It was kind of like them trying to like stir up the pot and like, it's like, oh, you think these two are like the epitome or like the best example of like what a couple is. It's like, let's, let's show you that they're not. And it's kind of like, it's like, how much do you love her? It's like, oh, you say 14 out of 15. That sounds like a lot. It's like, but it's like, here, let's put you in the situation where we have to shoot her. And then they give him the gun. 
he does it and it's kind of like, well, you just said you loved her. Like, you're not even going to like try and like fight or like do anything about it. You're just going to go for it. Like, what, what did they threaten him with? I, I forget exactly what it was because like he like they said something to him where it was like, oh, you either shoot her or or what? Well, there was basically we're gonna shoot you now. They were gonna kill yeah. him. It was like they're like, would you be better off if we killed you? Like they, they were trying to prove uh, his love. Like it's like, you know, could you live with yourself without her, or would you want to kill her? And he's like, oh, I'd be fine by myself. And then like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like that was like a good way to just like stir up the pot and be like, it's like oh, this whole this whole idea of like the couples and like the perfect matches like. Complete sham. <laughs> exactly. I thought it was a good commentary for like, like the idea that like when it comes to love, death isn't the worst situation. The worst situation is being like being proven that you're full of shit. Because every time you, someone gets revenge in the movie, it's not through killing somebody. It's through like give them, giving them the exact opposite of what they want. Better uh, true. Alonzo, the hostage situation? Yeah, I'll think of the same thing. Like it's almost like just to not only like just to show how fake their relationship could have been. And yeah, I just thought it was funny, like, I guess the guy was just being honest and gives like a 14 out of 15. Like, it was just kind of random. <laughs> and, well, my favorite part was when um, Colin Farrell meets up with um, his one friend, John. On the yacht? Yeah. <laughs> and just like, just straight up admitting like that he's like just fake, like none of it's real. Their relationship is fake. <laughs> And yeah, just like even when the waste before he walks in, like the whole basketball discussion, the football, <laughs> like, it just feels so dead in there. And the little girl just trying to make, yeah, the whole thing, the whole having a kid just makes it interesting. <laughs> so she's the one trying to like fill in more, like fill up the dead air. <laughs> Other pointless questions. <laughs> and yeah, I just thought it was pointless. Like, no. I like how it was the little girl who was like giving the knife to the dad, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kill him. Your daddy is a knife, kill him. <laughs> I think her best line was like faking interest in what the dad was talking yeah. about. He was like, Yeah, do you know how much uh, a volleyball weighs? No, dad, I don't know, but I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then when he walks out, he leaves his rifle there, like, he doesn't take yeah, it. Yeah, about that the best friend who turns the the nosebleed with the, the with the the blonde that turns into a horse what do you guys think about her oh love she's like she, she wants to cry her eyes out to stand by me i mean who doesn't want to do that on like a daily like i thought that was great and then i loved and that was like the one real moment in the entire film, I believe, because, you know, there's the friend who's like being all fake and like, I loved us during high school. And then this girl, like in that single moment when she like gives her a big fuck, the blonde girl gives her a big fucking slap. She like is saying in that moment, this is all bullshit. And like, that's the one like come to Jesus moment in the entire film that kind of almost in a way breaks the fourth wall and showing that everything's bullshit. I mean, that's what I got from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that slap was really abrupt. Mm. <laughs> it's right in the middle of her heartfelt speech <laughs> to her best friend. It's like, uh, like, but like, like Matt said, it's like pretty like fake delivery. Like, mm. you know, 
and like uh, the the whole point that like it was like scripted and she's like reading it off it's like not real emotion it's just like mm-hmm. something she wrote down and wants to like repeat in front of her in front of her friend and then she mm-hmm. like finally says like this is what i want to do with like my last day on earth or like my last day as a human yeah i thought it was like one thing i like about this movie is that it's the way it handles tone it's like most of the movie is completely monotone, like completely dead. So, so when there is like that emotional breakout, it actually means so much more. Like that slap meant so much. It was like a pretty, like it was like a silly slap, but because it was a slap, it came out like it was like a punch almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love that fittingly enough, especially for this podcast, the last thing she wants to do on this earth is watch a movie. Yes. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Would that be all of our uh, last choice to do <laughs> before we got turned to an animal? Watch your favorite movie? All of the Irishman. Yeah, I can give Spice World another whirl, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that one scene, I mean, it almost represents what it feels like to have, like, to be around somebody who is in a relationship when you're single. Mm. <laughs> just that feeling is like, oh, well, you're just <sighs> almost just bragging about how you're going to be with somebody and you're just stuck by yourself. And that's all they want to talk about is their relationship. Uh, yeah, exactly. All righty. Um, yeah, so after that steamy makeout session that Matt mentioned earlier with the really nice strings playing at the at the leader's house, uh, she gets pretty uh, suspicious of them. And, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and and uh, does, 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 she, does she catch them? Or, or, or does she just take her to the I appoint the I the eye doctor. Well, because she she read the diary, remember that I explained? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so she was like, Oh, like I'm gonna take you to the eye doctor to fix your nearsightedness, but it was really to blind her. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, fucked up. I don't know what kind of doctor operates to yeah. specifically make somebody blind, but and also just like on the word of a friend, like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna just do this operation because your friend told me to make you blind. I'm also not going to tell you about the operation either. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like you must have a connection with this doctor. He's just really shady. <laughs> I don't know what that was yeah. all about. Oh yeah. And I, I thought it was kind of, um, well, well <laughs> after she walks out, she's just in the really standoff, like a really standoffish like pose, like just on the ground with a knife. She has this little fake fight with her, with the leader. Yeah. Um, and the leader like pushes the other woman in front of her, and she's just like, "Yeah, kill her, not me." I just yeah. I, 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 that it just goes to show that like both the worlds are very very flawed. Um, <laughs> like you know, it's it's not good. It's not. It's it's also speaking of it. It's weird. It's also like showing kind of like to the viewer like well. It's like it's saying, is it not good to be a couple? It's also not good to be a loner. So then, what are we supposed to be? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Um, well, let society tell you what to do. I guess exactly. Mm. I guess that's my okay. I'm not gonna tell. Um, society, tell me what to do. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, and then uh. Um, Colin Farrell comes over when she's oh, just sitting. My, that was my favorite scene out of the whole thing. Was her like crying when she finally told him the truth? Yeah. So, he's like, "I got you something." <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! I'll eat it right away. It's a, flash, it's a flashlight. 
Oh, it was so big, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> it was actually when I told you about the great haircut, I didn't mean it. <laughs> um, yeah, how, how did you guys feel about that? Because that that's, man, that really sucks when you're in like a really cool relationship. And, 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 that, and, that's, and that's something like, but but like a real obstacle gets in between the way, and then mm. and then your and then your patience and and your limits really come out. He tried. He really tried. I mean, this, this is going to lead into the ending pretty much because the ending kind of scares me. Yeah, it, it's interesting they put it like that because it's kind of like. Like what you're saying, it's like when you're in a, a healthy relationship or a good relationship, but then you have like those obstacles. Like the thing that came into my mind was like uh, being in something that's like long distance mm-hmm. because it's it's different between like the way that you manage your time and your yeah. partner's time. And, uh, you know, because you're off doing your own things, but you're also trying to make time for each other yeah. and you can't really like be with them, but you can call and message and it's not like the same interaction as like you know being together and in their case it's like now he has to they're not really doing the same things that they did before and it's kind of like him guiding her or being more of a guide than an actual like partner that they can share things together and you know so that's like that's like where my mind went and it's kind of it's a difficult challenge. It's a hard obstacle to deal with. I mean, somebody blinding your girlfriend must be pretty hard to come, you know, yeah. to, to overcome. Yeah. I did wonder what she meant when she, because like at uh, one point he tried to kiss her and she says like, no, we can't do that anymore, like in general. Yeah. So I was wondering if like for her, if that, if the perspective did change in terms of like, this isn't so much a romantic thing anymore. Yeah, I actually wasn't sure about that one either. Because they had this really beautiful, intimate moment when they were faking the relationship the first time they went to the city and they were talking to the leader's parents. And Colin Farrell's character just starts describing how much he loves her and like how he might, eh, he, he's okay with work, but he just doesn't like that it's taking away time from his from him and his kids. And she comes back, we have four kids. And I'm just like, <laughs> and then they're just like, yes. And even if we had nothing to do and they all grew up and they all did their own thing, we would just go out and trap. We would go out in these places and just re just reignite our flame and you know our intense love for each other. And then but, just the, oh sorry. Yeah, no, no, go, go, go. Sorry. Yeah, because I was just gonna say, yeah, because in the reality of like obstacles, like just it it like it just it kind of tests you. Matt? Sorry, that was all. No, I was just going to add on that exactly. And it kind of seems like, well, towards the end, it kind of seems like he's willing to give his all, like he said he would in that speech um, that you're mentioning. But then we don't actually know if he decided to go through with, um, you know, also making himself blind in order to kind of live a similar life um to his the woman that he loves or did formerly love one thing that i noticed which i i think just because of the way the movie is i don't think it was necessarily intentional 
but I just like when they were both talking about like her vision issues, I I like remember that saying like, oh, like love is blind. I was like, oh, this is very <laughs> like oh, wow. uh, literal. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Good God, this movie's so on the nose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron thought of that because he's college educated. College educated. College educated. The phone means something. Oh man. Um, <sighs> Alex Alonso, thoughts on the ending? Because Alex, this is your first time seeing it. What, what, what did you get? Like, I was. I was really thrown off by the ending, to be honest. Um, as they were like leaving together, uh, and he seemed to be like prepared to to blind himself to, I don't, like I don't know, like like I'm I'm still like on that mentality where it's like I don't understand why they feel like they have to like mirror their partners like exactly like with the same like flaws and like physical characteristics. Like maybe that's just like what their society tells them that love is like maybe that's what our society tells us that love is it's like you need to find that like perfect match and like and if you're not exactly like the same then you know then it's not going to work out and he has like that feeling that you know if if he goes on being able to see and she goes on blind that you know it's going to end and then it's kind of like up to him it's like am i really going to blind myself for for this girl that i care about and it looks like he's about to, like he prepares himself and has a knife ready. And then it just, it ends before you find out like whether he decides to or not. And it's kind of like, I think that's like the point, I guess, now that I'm saying it out loud, like now I'm trying to starting to understand. It's kind of like, well, like it poses the question to you. It's like, are you going to be the person that, that changes yourself in order to fit in what you think is, is the right situation or for somebody else? It's like, are, are you going to be yourself and try and work it out? Yeah, I felt the same way, too. And, and yeah, I do like, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, Alex, right now. But, yeah, it was interesting. I did like it, how it was ambiguous. Like, you don't know if he did or didn't. And I think, like, I don't remember, I think Aaron mentioned it. Like, yeah, like, she doesn't want to kiss him anymore. And it might be the same mentality, like, she they're still thinking that idea that we have to be identical to love each other. And I felt like to me, that's how I took it. Like, Oh, like she doesn't want to kiss him anymore because uh, she's blind and he's, he can still see though. And now watching it this time. Yeah, I did like, I just did like just the mystery. Like, well, is he, or isn't he going to do it? And I did like the way you put it in Alex that, yeah, it's, it's almost up to us to question that. Like, what would we do if we were in that situation? But uh, yeah, I, I really love just how mysterious it is. It gets yeah. at the end. Yeah, that was great. But you had yeah. no great observations from around the table, all 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 around. Oh, that's why I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> great movie all around. Yeah, yeah. Um, One more thing that I noticed last word. Yeah, go for it. Me, um, was like the dichotomy of like because like they do describe the turning into an animal. Um, process in the movie at one point and they describe it as like a surgeon yeah. to like take out like organs and like place them and that kind of stuff I thought, I thought it was interesting that like he escaped that technically but now he's faced with another like mm. mutilation and also last thing is i thought it was funny how like he wanted to be a lobster 
And the things that he ordered at the diner was a knife and a piece of butter. And I was like, well, that'd be for a lobster. <laughs> Noticing all the details today, Aaron. I know. You are. You're on one. I gotta be honest with you. It, it kind of those, those little details flew over my head because, yeah. I because I, I was so caught up in like the marriage and the societal stuff, not the intricacy. Like, oh my god, like that's right. There, like, there is a reason why she doesn't want to kiss him anymore, and it's probably because they don't have the same physical uh, disabilities. Because she's no longer nearsighted, she's blind, and she probably feels that disconnect. And the only way she's gonna stick with him is by blinding himself oh because then because we do that we do do that we want to we want to get like we want to get married in our own communities we we heart like it's like uh interracial dating and marriages are like still looked down upon in and in some communities and ah were you gonna say something yeah i just want to say something real quick at least watching it again was um so after the intro with the donkey, um, when we met, um, when we meet Colin Farrell, you know, the, uh, he's talking to his wife, which you don't even see at all. The thing I found interesting was like when they're talking, I think she, um, the wife is asking him questions and stuff. The first thing I, the first thing he asks is not even like, who is he? He just asks, is he short-sighted or does he wear glasses? I think it's, um, does he wear glasses or contacts? Yeah. that's like the first thing he says not like who is he what's his name <laughs> and that was like something i found yeah thinking about it more now it's like oh damn yeah, yeah. they still like care about that sort of small stuff yeah. like, right from the beginning yeah for me the ending scared me the first time i watched it mm. first of all i love my eyes i take care of my eyes so much <laughs> <laughs> so the physical, like, he's kind of like the cinematography of that shot where he's kind of in shadow and there's this big old panel of a window that's like frosted. So it just, it just, you just see the silhouette of a sharp object like towards his eye. I, I've always been afraid of something uh, hurting, p- picking my eye. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I was kind of scared working back with my father because he works with cactuses and just and, and big old bushes that like actually prick out. And and they can already like they're like right here, so you can just. So when I was watching that scene, I just felt like a bunch of spikes were poking me as I was sitting. And then, what made it even more scarier for me was that it cuts away to Rachel Weiss's character sitting by herself, because then I was scared that he wasn't going to do it. But, and then I was afraid that he was going to leave her there. Do you think? Because she sat there a very long time. And it's like, it's almost like she was expecting some kind of a scream to know that, like, it happened and nothing came. It was just quiet. You don't even hear, like, a mm-hmm. door open and steps into a different door or anything yeah. like that from the bathroom to, like, and the reason why I like I'm scared about it, but and this is why it's so great that it's ambiguous, is that he already did abandon one relationship mm-hmm. and put her in the transformation room with the heartless woman. So who's to, yeah, who's to say you won't do it again? Yeah. Um, you know, like tried an old true trope, he could have just jumped out the window of the, the bathroom <laughs> door and then boom, done. 
But yeah, but that, but yeah, but that, but that's what like because I think like this movie also was what like with Tangerine, mm-hmm. that I had like was so like the ending was just so strong for me that it just stuck with me for the longest time. Rachel Vice sitting alone at the booth with just random life happening in the background, just mm-hmm. like just stuck with me too. I don't know. It's just kind of tragic. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's also at the same time with her, you kind of realize maybe this isn't exactly love for her because if she wants him to be like her, then she doesn't love him for everything that he is. It's just about, like you guys said, like if we have the same things, if we have the same appearance. Um so that's where I'm getting, like, I think that's where it's kind of cluing in that, like, this isn't a real relationship or a real relationship by what true love means. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, man. Great discussion, everybody. Goodness. Anybody else want to um, bring up any moments or uh, something we may have missed? Nope. <laughs> it's touched on a lot today. Yeah. No, no, we did, we did, we did. I, I feel like we covered everything, honestly. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. All righty. So, uh, any new listeners to Cinema Studs, uh, we do not believe in number or numerical systems uh, for grading scale. Uh, we find them inconsistent and uh, and and just uh, just poor and just poorly flawed. So we ask a different question on this podcast, so something a little more, something that uh, sparks more crit- uh, constructive criticism. Is uh, what would we change? And I don't know about this one, guys. Either. Uh, would we change anything, honestly? I kind of felt that at the very beginning, the pacing was really inconsistent. It would go from like a scene that's a second long or like a couple seconds long to then like a whole slow motion hunting sequence to like that kind of stuff. So, but like after like 20 minutes, it like it fixed the issue. So it's really just like the first 20 minutes. It was a little inconsistent with pacing. And then for tone... I felt like it was a little too all over the place. Like I felt like the horror mo- moments could have easily just been more suspense because mm. it just not because I don't like horror, but it was just like horror is like all the way over here. So it was like it was going like this the whole time. <laughs> but just personally, but I still like the movie a lot. I agree with that. I think for me, I feel like the first half, like it, I feel like the film kind of splits a little bit in two. There's like a first half. Um, and then there's a second half, like, and I just, I think the film kind of lacks cohesion for me. Um, like, like Aaron said, it just feels a little bit all over the place, which isn't bad for a film, but I guess, um, it can be hard for the viewer to kind of follow it and also, I don't know, put forth that energy to really dive into its world and get situated into it. And that's the only thing, because like, there were so many tone shifts between, it would jump back and forth between horror and comedy, horror comedy. It kind of, it wasn't super seamless, even though it, it did transition nicely sometimes into a horror or a comedy. Sometimes the transitions were very sharp um, and just abrupt and I felt like there were a lot of those. So it was hard to get situated into one side of the film. 
um, than fully settle. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that might be interesting uh, to talk about a little bit after. Uh, Alex or um, Alonzo? Um, I think that the what Aaron was saying about the pacing is is definitely true. And there's that scene of the the hunting that I feel like might have lasted a little bit too long. Like maybe it was just me because I was like, like okay, like trying to like rush through the movie. Like maybe it was just like the situation that I was in, like trying to finish it as like fast as possible, and was like, like thrown off by like how like how slow it became. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like overall this movie is really well directed, really well written, really well shot, really well edited, really well composed, and it's kind of like. Well, like at that point of like anything I would say feels like nitpicky and mm. I don't know. I feel like I enjoy it a lot about this movie uh, overall. And I don't know if there's anything like serious that I would change. I feel like this was like a well, well executed project. It feels like everybody that participated in this really knew what they were doing and, you know, played their role like to, to, to their strength. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even watching it now, I feel like my biggest, not like a big problem, I guess, yeah, nitpicky would be, um, yeah, I do think the second half does um, slow down. Yeah, it does slow down a little too much for me. And and even thinking about it right now, like I do, I kind of felt like the, the shopping montage was sort of pointless. I mean, I guess the point is just to see what they're going to buy. You know, just to help out the camp, but even then, it just didn't feel that that necessary. Just mm-hmm. to add too much, and I think it's also slow motion too, if I remember. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't super crazy about just the second half in general, even though there are some funny parts in there. Yeah, I'll say for me, it's the weaker, but it's still in it. And again, it just I do I, I would say it is a nitpick. Yeah, it's not a real complaint, but I think it's valid because honestly, when before we played the movie, I thought it was an hour 40. And then I was so surprised when I started playing and I said two hours. Mm-hmm. What happens in two hours in this movie? Like, I don't know. I think it's the, I think it's the editing. So I think that's valid. Mm-hmm. Just a pace. Anything else? No, nope. I think that's it for me. Cool. Well, go for it. I mean, bring it back to the shop thing. I mean, I don't know. Just, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, but I don't know if it was just a. Uh, I don't know if it was like, as you can see, a commentary on the idea of like making couples buy things, like consumerism, I guess. I might be reaching too much, but I felt like that might have been the only reason why they bring up the whole idea of a shopping mall mm-hmm. and showing that couples shopping so they can just spend money, like ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, just, like I said, I just pulled that out real quick. Yeah. Or I just thought of that. That's kind of interesting because like, I mean, when you're getting married, there's like, it's like the idea about like spending a lot of money and having other people spend money on you. I mean, you create that, the list of, uh, I forget what it's called, but like you, you go to a certain oh. store and you have that list of things. What is it called? The, reg- the registry. Yeah. The registry. And you have other people buy things for you. It's like, it's, you know, the idea of being a couple is also, you know, a part of the, the capitalist society that wants you to consume, you know? So that was really interesting. I, I didn't even think about that, but seeing in that way. Alrighty. That sounds like that's our conclusions. 
Cool. So what'd you get? What'd you, what do you guys think about this movie? It stood the test of time five years later. Oh, yeah. oh definitely. Like <laughs> this is so on the nose that it feels like it'll be relevant for years and years to come. <laughs> so on the nose and subtle at the same time. That's hard <laughs> for me. Yeah. It doesn't really do anything that would date itself. Like it sets its own world and, and it's like all controlled in its own environment. Yeah. yeah, it's very much, um, God, I, how would I describe it? It, it? It's very much like, if I wanted to describe it like a work of art, I'd say it's like, it's definitely a Pablo Picasso. It's kind of like all over the place, <laughs> but in a wonderful sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. His, is it his next film favorite? The no. favorite? Oh, Killing of a Sacred Deer is the next one. I haven't seen it. I, I saw it. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos really has a voice. Like his next film is Killing of a Sacred Deer. Deer. Yeah. He works with Colin Farrell again and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, it's really trippy. I'll say and, yeah. even back to his first film. I think I think you I think that's like you his saw t- his first film. Yeah, Dog Too. Oh jeez. Yeah, because I remember the one, the heartless girl. I think she's one of like the main characters. Oh, okay. Dog Too. Okay. But I think I think that's like it's just a tech. It's, um, yeah, I guess all tourism. Yeah. I think he does just have like that dry humor and delivery with everything. And I think that's just his technique in general. Okay. Yeah. Well, Olivia Coleman won her first Oscar because of him, the favorite. Mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite movie of 2019. Oh, I see. That makes sense that he did that film too. Cause that it's kind of the similar style. It's very kind of jarring yeah. moments that just kind of happen. Yeah. Um, throughout the film it, yeah. it just yeah so i'm excited to talk about that movie but yeah no but alonso why don't you let the panelists and in uh, our audience know what our next episode is yes sir so for the month of um october 2015 our october movie will be bone tomahawk Directed by S. Craig Zoller. I didn't even ask you to say that. <laughs> you just know him by name. Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Is this anyone else's first time watching? First time hearing it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah. I'm definitely excited for this oh, one. Oh, jeez. This is Alonso's pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. You sound very excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Uh, great episode, guys. Uh, excited for the next one. Yeah, the caddies. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, account. we got we got to plug. We got to plug in our account. We went. We talked a lot, so I'm <laughs> trying to get us all out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and plug in whatever you guys want. I've got an Instagram. It's Delanora. Follow that if you'd like to. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> follow my instagram at camera vega um yeah that's all i got and if you want to hit me up you can follow my instagram which is full of old hollywood information as well as pop culture news on some like it not i'm also on discord follow me at mariah scary <laughs> um all i got is my letterbox alonso 17 100 that's it. Okay. 
And uh, yeah, follow uh, your host at uh, Let V Martinez and see my new profile pic. <laughs> it's, it's, me, like. it's, it's me as a Pokemon trainer with uh, my two favorite Pokemon. Ooh. Ooh, we should give him a shout out. What is him? Who is he? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, give me a sec. What's his name? Uh, Cinder. Cinderman. Cinderman? His name is a great queer artist who does. Uh, like if you want to be a Pokemon trainer, he'll animate you into a Game Boy Color Pokemon trainer. His name is Cinderman. You can find him also on Instagram. Yeah, that is Cinderman. I'm excited to let him know we shouted him out. Yeah, <laughs> he's really friendly. Goodness, he's a sweetie. I yeah. love him. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.